Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Justin Kinner Show, right here on ESPN Dayton, 1410 Wing AM. All right, welcome back. Justin Kinner back with you. Here's the Justin Kinner Show. James Rapine from Sports Illustrated will join us coming up here in 10 minutes. We'll talk Bengals football again. James Rapine back now in Cincinnati, now working with Sports Illustrated, covering the Cincinnati Bengals. So I'm excited to chat with him coming up here in 10 minutes. Uh, we'll chat with him again. He just got up with the Zach Taylor earlier on this afternoon, about an hour ago. So we'll see what new developments means. Um, it, it will be. It won't be enough. Like and I, I don't. I don't think Redmond's enough either. I know that they they like to run to Redmond's side a lot with Mixon. Mixon, you know, rushed for over 1,200 yards last year. Uh, was the AFC's leading rusher two years ago. It is what it is. I mean, look, we'll see exactly just how much better this offensive line is here in 2020. But it's definitely not going to complement that. That that's my frustrations with this though. Why is that the Bengals' solution? Is Redmond? With all the with all the ta- with all the linemen that were out there in free agency, and I'm not trying to be negative on the Bengals because I think they did a kick-ass job as far as addressing the defensive side, but as far as complementing their defensive efforts with addressing their offensive efforts, I think they've done a poor job. Because you can have the best defense in the world, but if you don't have an offensive line that's going to protect your new rookie franchise quarterback and and give yourself a chance to score points, I don't care, especially if he's not comfortable doing it. It's going to be tough for, for uh, when Joe Burrow comes in. It's going to be tough for him already. Keep in mind that this isn't going to be your typical NFL offseason. I mean, he's going to have to learn a lot, and he's going to have to learn a lot quickly. There's not going to be rookie minicamp. There's not going to be any of those things that is usually set in place to kind of help ease the rookies into the situation. There's going to be less time um, than usual. I mean, if they have to shrink the preseason uh, to get an NFL season in, they're going to do it in a heartbeat. Could there be a week one without a preseason? Absolutely. That's definitely not, you know, something that's off the table. So it's very important that Joe Burrow is comfortable as much as possible considering the circumstances. It's always going to be mentally and physically tough for a rookie. I don't care how good they were in college. So to me, I think the Bengals have done a poor job as far as bringing him in. Now, again, we'll have this conversation again more so here in a few weeks after the draft. Maybe they address the offensive line, but I don't know about you. I've never been comfortable with the Bengals' ability to address the offensive line in the draft, especially at least in recent history. So until... I feel like that offensive line is suitable enough to protect Joe Burrow. I don't really think that any of the changes that they have made is worth the damn at this point. So I don't. I love what they did in free agency. They at least showed a little life there. That was one of the biggest knocks on the Bengals in the front office there was the fact that they were not aggressive in free agency ever, that they were more focused on trying to address all of their issues in the draft, which you cannot do. You can plug some of your holes in the draft, but you're not going to be able to turn a 2-14 and 14 team around uh, with – all draft picks. It's just not going to happen. Joe Burrow, though, is going to be the most important one. Your franchise quarterback should always be the most important piece when it comes to taking care of that person, and that starts with the offensive line. I don't want to see Joe Burrow be another Andrew Luck, where Joe Burrow comes in and shows uh, flashes and signs of being a historically great quarterback, but because they cannot put an offensive line in front of him to protect him, we'll never get to see the full potential. And don't call me a hater. That should be your mindset, too. 
If that's not your worry, if that's not your concern, I question your intelligence as a Bengal fan because this isn't me hating. This is just common sense. All right, like that needs. Like I, I don't understand why that's not more of a talk, uh, mo- more of the talk amongst Bengals fans because right now you don't have the answers at that as far as the line is concerned. Uh, but we'll get into more of that later on in the show. Four five seven nine four six four. We'll get back into this uh, poll question. John, give me a follow on Twitter at fourteen ten Kinner. That's at fourteen ten Kinner K I N N E R. You'll be able to check out the poll question there and, and follow the results and track the results. Of which of the four Ohio Pro teams will be the first to win a championship? And I'm not talking first ever championship for them, but the race to the finish line. Who, which team will be the next championship team from Ohio? I could only put four on Twitter. The Reds, Bengals, Browns, and Indians. The Reds coming away with 38% of the vote right now. The Browns at 33%. Indians at 20 Bengals at 9 And as I stated earlier, to me, I don't look at the rosters right away. Because as I learned with the Browns last year, talented rosters can always be eaten alive. And I'm admitting I was wrong a year ago, folks, because everyone gave me nothing but hell for it. I'm admitting I was wrong. I thought the talent could overcome the the Browns moniker, and it, it just couldn't. The Browns' talent was eaten alive by the franchise itself. Do I think they addressed some of the issues with their head coach? Yes. But until further notice, as Schlemmer always said, they are still the Cleveland Browns. So in this, I begin looking at the top. I look at the front office. Which of those organizations have coach in which of those organizations have the best front office. I think that the Cleveland Indians have a championship coach, obviously, a World Series coach, and they have a very good front office. They, I mean, have done a tremendous job building talent uh, within their system. They have done a, a very good job of developing talent and trading pieces off at the right time. I mean, the fact that they've been able to trade off, um, you know, Kluber and, and move on from Bauer and still have a top-five rotation, that just speaks volumes of the way that they develop talent in roster construction. I love the Indians' front office. To me, it's not about the roster makeup now. I think that they are a team that will be the next team out of Ohio to win a championship because I trust the front office. I don't trust the Browns' front office. I don't trust the Bengals' front office, although I am beginning to kind of come around a little bit as long as they can continue on this positive trend of trying to improve this team. And the Reds, I'm... I'm I'm much higher on the Reds front office now than I was years ago. Again, because of the ability the last two years to scrap the original plan and go all in financially to better this team and to put a winner out on the field and just talking with the Castellinis um, in years past and, and most recently at Reds Fest. I mean, literally apologizing and saying that he is embarrassed for the way that the club has performed the last two years. I feel good about the direction of the Reds right now under the Castellinis. Again, results will have to speak for themselves, but to me, the fact that the Indians are second to last in this vote, I think that that's wrong. I think that they are, they will be the next team to win the championship out of Ohio just based on that front office. We'll be back in a moment. Let's talk some Cincinnati Bengals football with James Rapine from Sports Illustrated. Don't go anywhere. This is the Cross family. They live on a piece of land they call Greener Pasture, and they work on it behind the wheel of a John Deere 1 Series tractor. With its durable construction and features that hook up to dozens of attachments with ease, no job is too tough. The Frells family runs with us because this is more than just land. It's home. Nothing runs like a deer. Get a one series tractor for just $99 per month at your John Deere dealer today. For additional cost information, please call toll free 855-633-2315. When you need auto parts, O'ReillyAuto.com is just a few clicks away. We offer convenient options for you to get your parts quickly. Order online and pick up for free at your local O'Reilly Auto Parts store. We'll even bring it out curbside. Or you can have your parts delivered right to your door with free shipping on most orders over $35. Visit O'ReillyAuto.com. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. 
welcome back. It's the Justin Kinner Show live here on Dayton's ESPN radio station, 1410 Wing AM. We'll be joined here momentarily, waiting to get word that James Rapine with Sports Illustrated is on with us. We'll talk a little Cincinnati Bengals. James Rapine back in the 513 covering the Cincinnati Bengals for Sports Illustrated. So looking forward to chatting with him coming up here in a few moments. We'll also have uh, Aaron Torres from Fox Sports Radio at 530. He'll, of course, uh, want to talk a little Obi Toppin and covers college basketball and college football. Wanted to talk Obi Toppin, but we'll get into some college football news and updates with him coming up in Hour 3. Which team in Ohio is close? to winning a championship, the Reds, Indians, Browns, Bengals. That's our ongoing poll question. Give me a follow on Twitter at 1410Kenner where you can participate in the poll um, and get the results there. Right now, again, those are ever-changing, but the Reds uh, are the, the front-runner right now. The Reds are the, are the favorites right now to be the first team um, to win a championship up next, at least, I should say, for the state of Ohio. A lot of interesting stuff there. Coming up, uh, we'll talk some Cleveland Browns, too, around the corner. Keep in mind that we know that they're heavy pursuit over, for Jadavion Clowner over the weekend not result in a finalized deal, but they are working on another Pro Bowl defensive end uh, with the Jaguars, and I'll have more details on that coming up around the corner. A lot of talk right now in the NFL about all the new jerseys that are being released, and uh, the Cleveland Browns jersey should be released here in the next week, and I'm curious why people make such a big deal about that. Um, I think happened. Yeah, speaking of, well, not being normal. How about the uh, the Bengals' activity in the off season this year? As far as uh, you know, their activity in free agency. I mean, they definitely caught a lot of Bengals and non-Bengals fans by surprise with their activity. As far as free agents are concerned. With that being said, they were able to sign everybody today, correct? Yeah, they were. So they're all of the deals are pending physicals, but they are, they are official. They caught them in the release. They caught them agreements, but it just basically means there's a little fine print in there, which. You know, that's subject to uh, the Bengals' physician examining each player. But you're right, it was a surprise. I mean, their activity in free agency, and there were little murmurs and chirps about it, but it it was extremely surprising to see them really attack free agency for the first time, really since I can remember. I mean, Mm -hmm. March 17th, when that that rolls down and it's Trey Wayne's, or DJ Reader first and Trey Wayne's, and they've committed $95 million to two two defensive players, I, I think everyone was like, what? The Bengals? What are you, what are you talking about? And uh, I asked Zach that today. Actually, I said, look, when, when you took this job, did you talk about free agency approach? Because he came from the Rams, and they were extremely aggressive. And they were within a, you know, a couple quarters of, of winning the Super Bowl, and they couldn't score on offense, but they were close to winning the Super Bowl. And uh, he said, yeah, that, that the plan all along was to be aggressive at some point in free agency because you have to. And I, I think that that's... This could be a, a philosophy change and something the Bengals continue to do moving forward. I don't think they'll commit $120, $130 million to free agents every offseason, but I think they might be more aggressive and more active when it comes to adding free agents. James, do you think that they're doing this too? Because, I mean, you look at the landscape of the NFL. When you look at the teams who are winning Super Bowls, uh, not all of them, but most of them are doing it within that first four-year period of when they draft their, their franchise or what they presume to be their franchise quarterback. You know, you have your quarterback for cheap. You know, you're able to allocate dollars elsewhere and really bolster up your defense or have, you know, extreme talent on the offensive side like the Browns have done. With that being said, are they is this right now convenient because of the fact that they are moving on to, to Joe Burrow? Is that why they've done this, or is it more because Zach Taylor and the philosophy that he brought with them from the Rams, as you mentioned? I think it's both, because I think the Rams are one of those teams that followed that blueprint of taking advantage of Jared Goff's deal uh, when he was on, on a rookie contract and being aggressive and going and getting uh, guys to, and Dominican Sue played for the, the Rams for a year mm-hmm. next to Aaron Donald. I mean, think about that. And then 
you think about what the, the Bengals have done with DJ Reader next to Geno Atkins, it makes a lot of sense. So, yeah, I, I think it's a mixture of both, but there's no doubt, uh, Justin, that, that when you look at uh, having a rookie quarterback, someone that they believe in, we all assume it's going to be Joe Burrow. I think it's going to be Joe Burrow. Uh, you, you have that guy. you got to build around him, especially, you mentioned the Browns. They have the best division in football. I'll go ahead and say it now. I mean, the more I look I at agree. it, top to bottom, I just there isn't going to be an easy division game for any of these teams. Even the Bengals, and I know they're young, but, but the, the pieces they've added, I think they'll be competitive, uh, especially after the draft. So it, uh, it'll be one heck of a, a race in the AFC North for sure. Uh, James Rapine with Sports Illustrated covers the Bengals with us here on the Justin Kinner Show on 1410 uh, ESPN Radio. Now, with that being said, uh, they still have Andy Dalton on the roster, and I thought that it was going to be a tough – I mean, it was going to be a very uh, uh, a competitive quarterback market coming into this offseason, and it definitely lived up to that. Being That being said, I am sh- shocked that Andy Dalton is still a quarterback on this roster. You can't have a 17 17- – Point five million guy as your backup, but that might be the case. What are the chances that they still move him? And if they try to keep him, I'd be pretty frustrated. You know, Andy Dalton's been around a long time, and we've never seen the Bengals go all in like this before. And the one year they do it, it's on his way out potentially. I mean, could that lead to some some tension in that locker room? Andy Dalton's a stand-up guy, but even someone has their breaking point. I'm sure. Yeah, I think so. I think it could be awkward. I think awkward is the the the. the term I would use to describe it potentially if he stays around. And really, I think um, for him to net any kind of real value in a trade, he would have to be open to restructuring and cutting that $17.5 million number down and maybe add another year to it where it's a bunch of incentives, maybe a Marcus Mariota or Ryan Tannehill type deal from last year, Marcus Mariota type deal this year, uh, where there's incentive if he ends up getting playing time in, in, say, a Jacksonville. But if not, he's not making a ton of money because you're right. I mean, I, I just, I think that they, I don't know if you want to say misjudged the market or, or thought that they were going to be able to get more than they did, uh, but it seemed like he was going to go to the Bears. Or, and he, maybe they thought that the Patriots were going to be interested. Well, it turns out they're not. At least they won't be until you get free agency. So uh, I don't know if they release him. I just, I can't see bringing him back on a $17.5 million deal to be the backup. It would just be awkward. So I think they'll either restructure that, and maybe he would be open to restructuring it and going elsewhere, or they, they end up releasing him. I, I would bet, though, they end up getting something for him. Uh, but, but it certainly won't be anything, anything noteworthy, maybe a conditional sixth or seventh round pick. James, I had a Dolphins writer with ESPN on with us last week just to talk with them. And I know this is the, the gist of your first article I know that you put out with the Sports Illustrated now uh, about the direction of the, the Dolphins. I always tell Bengals fans to relax because they get so fired up when national media spits out that, oh, the, the Dolphins are going after Joe Burrow. Look, you know how many hot girls I try to go after, you know, in my lifetime? It didn't mean that they were going to go out with me, but I sure gave it the old college try, right? Like, that's what the Dolphins are doing. They have to at least give it a shot. With that being sure. said... How interested are the Bengals in even entertaining the idea of trading, of moving back in the draft, still being able to get a guy like a Justin Herbert and get additional first-round picks? I think it's unlikely, but how likely is it in your opinion? Uh, extremely unlikely. I think you're, you're right on. Uh, I do think there is a scenario, and Bengals fans hate this, there is a scenario, there is a price, and that's what I wrote today. Uh, is, there is a price that the Bengals... Uh, that, that will meet the Bengals' interest, and, and they'll say, all right, we'll take Justin Herbert at five, and we'll roll with him, and we'll also have X amount of picks over the next couple of years. So, so I think you, you can do that. The problem is is their price 
versus what the Dolphins would be willing to pay is, in my mind, just completely, completely different. I mean, I, the three first-rounders in Miami, that's just scratching the surface. I think the Bengals would ask for all three this year and two next year. Uh, I think they would ask for a, a second-rounder this year next year. Like, I, I think it would be a huge haul that they would demand uh, to move down four spots. And then the Dolphins are going to laugh and hang up the phone, and the Bengals are going to smile, and they're going to draft Joe Burrow. So I, I kind of think that's how it plays out. I don't blame the Dolphins. You're right, shoot your shot. But the Bengals, they're not going to uh, be on the losing end of this or just take average draft capital where, where you look at these trade charts and it's, you know, the first pick is worth 3,000 points. Just because you match that, no. Mike Brown's going to want 5,500 points on the trade track, you know, or trade value chart. So I, I think, uh, I don't think there's any, any real way, realistic way uh, that the Dolphins can get a deal done. But they should call, and the Bengals should have a high asking price. James, the draft coming up here in a few weeks, you mentioned Zoom earlier, and I always get a chuckle out of the Bengals and technology. I mean, we're talking about them learning how to use Zoom. I don't even know if they've learned how to use the fax machine yet after their blunder from a few years ago with the Browns. That being said, uh, oh, that you talked about Brown. Mike Brown and the, the draft. <laughs> Who's going to be the, the, the focal point of that? Duke Tobin? I mean, how is that going to look here in a few weeks, and uh, how concerned yeah. are the Bengals brass, including Zach Taylor, when it comes to that? Uh, I don't know if you got a chance to talk to them about the different way that the draft is going to be held this year uh what are you hearing as far as that's concerned yeah it's it's going to be unique it's going to be different um because of that because they can't be like duke tobin's going to be separate from zach taylor it's not like they can even gather five in a room or anything like that the only people that are going to be together is the it the bengals it staff to make sure things uh, run smoothly for, for the coaches <laughs> and the scouts and, and and the gm so yeah i, I think uh I think it's going to be unique, but the the thing that stood out, and we did ask Zach about that, or he was asked about it, is he's going to, and they're going to have multiple different ways to communicate. So it's not going to be just Zoom. It's not going to be just one level. You know, they'll have probably, I would assume, like if it was me, I would have a Google chat up, right? And maybe not necessarily Google chat, but something that's an instant messaging thing. You obviously have text, you have phone, you have the, the, the Zoom as well. So you, you could probably have five or six different ways of communicating in everyone in them, everyone with multiple screens. Because that's the thing. I mean, if you're an NFL team, you have five screens. All right, Zach Taylor gets six screens. You know, we're used to one or two screens at our offices in, in day-to-day life, maybe three. You know, if we're if we're lucky, depending on the office. But I mean, he can have five or six screens up. So I, I think they can do it. It'll be unique, but I, I think they can do it pretty seamlessly. And Zach didn't seem too worried about uh, getting the job done, especially because the, the other benefit for the Bengals is that they pick at the the start of each round for, for half the draft. So I, I think they'll have some time to think about it. Especially you're talking about Burrow; they've had months to think about. And then uh, that 33rd pick, they'll have about 18 hours or so. James, we know what they're doing with that first pick. I mean, we think we do. I think that, you know, there's a lot of narratives that are going to be created in the next couple of weeks. But I think we all know, as you mentioned, look, we know it's Joe Burrow. I'm bored with the first pick. I'm bored talking about who they're going to take number one overall. I think it's a very important draft for the Bengals because although they have been very aggressive in free agency, they still need to address linebacker. Um, I'm shocked at the one time that they have gone all in as far as, um, you know, free agency is concerned that they didn't really go after that offensive line as much. I know uh, earlier today they re-signed out. Alex Redmond, were you surprised that they didn't do anything with the offensive line in free agency? And how much of a focal point is that going to be in the draft, or are they just hoping on the development of the pieces they have now? I 
think it's a, a mixture of everything. They did add in, we could go back and forth on whether or not he's an upgrade, but Xavier threw a kilo <laughs> from, from Dallas, right? And he whole battle for a, a guard spot. Uh, they are hoping, though, that some of these guys develop. I think they like what Fred Johnson brought last year towards the end of the, the season at right tackle. So I think they're hoping he develops some. I think between uh, Suofilo and Billy Price and, and Michael Jordan, you're hoping, and that still sounds weird saying, but you're hoping that those guys uh, develop into two starting guards. Um, that being said, yeah, I think they're going to have to address offensive line early, whether it's that 33rd pick whether it's the 65th pick. Yesterday I wrote the idea of trading down at 33 could be really, really intriguing because I think there's still going to be some top guys with first-round grades, and if you move down four or five spots to get an extra fourth-round pick, that could help you address wide receiver. That could help you address linebacker. So then you could go with the offensive line, which I don't think is as deep. It's really good at the top, but I don't think it's as deep as, let's say, the, the wide receiver position or some of the linebackers that you could get in the middle round. So I think if they can add a pick, they will. In that, going back to your, your five minutes ago when you asked me about Andy Dalton, that's why that's so painful, because that could have been the pick, the fourth rounder, mm-hmm. and, and you, you couldn't get that deal done. So, yeah, I think they have multiple needs, and I think offensive line is, uh, is still right up there. And they won't hesitate to address it, whether it's at pick 33 or, or later in the draft. All right, James Rapine with Sports Illustrated. Good enough to hang out with us here today on the Justin Kinner Show. Give him a follow on Twitter, at James Rapine, J-A-M-E-S-R-A-P-I-E-N. Just give him a follow there. And, of course, uh, one of the best out there when it comes to bringing you Bengals content. So make sure you give him a follow. James, thanks so much. And uh, I'm glad we can start talking Bengals with you now moving forward. Take care, man. Appreciate it. Yep, anytime. Thanks for having me, Justin. All right, that was James Rapine again with Sports Illustrated, Bengals beat writer. A lot of interesting stuff there again, as far as the you know how they're handling Andy Dalton, their aggressiveness in free agency, the direction that the team is going in as far as the draft is concerned. Keep in mind, we like I'm bored talking about the number one overall pick. I'm bored uh, talking about Joe Burrow. I think that there's a lot more on the line when it comes to improving this Bengals team that goes beyond just the first round. Because I think you know when you talk about when I talk about the Bengals now. I'm including Joe Burrow already. Like when I when I talk about how much better they are, that's because in my head Joe Burrow's already a Bengal, and he is. He, he's already a Cincinnati Bengal. They they can screw it up, I'm sure somehow, but I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt. He's a Bengal. They got to do their due diligence. They got to you know accept you know calls and, and offers on the table just to see what's out there. But overall, we know what's going to happen as far as that is concerned. But uh, yeah, I'm just really interested in how the rest of the draft is going to to pan out. And I'm really surprised at how negative a lot of coaches and personnel are about the you know, the change in how the NFL draft is going to be conducted. Look, uh, no one likes change. Everyone likes to be comfortable. And there's one thing that I've learned in this situation with, you know, how we are have adapted at our jobs due to the COVID-19 outbreak and everything is that we're all doing things that are outside of our comfort zone. Um, and you could be one of those individuals that bitches and complains and just makes this, a, you know, more of a miserable experience than it is. Or you could adapt and you can, you know, spearhead the changes and try to make the best of a crappy situation and still, you know, maximize your your efforts at doing your job. And I think that that is what these NFL teams are going to have to do. I mean, I'm hearing way too much negativity, way too much bitching, crying, and moaning on all of these sports shows throughout the day. I mean, today, the majority of the sports shows today was talking about how different NFL teams and coaches and owners are frustrated with moving forward with the draft this way. There is nothing comfortable about anything that we as human beings are doing in this world right now. So I don't feel bad. 
for NFL owners. I don't feel bad um, at all that this draft is different than what they're used to, that they are having to work outside of their comfort zone. The bottom line is that we, even us little people over here, have had to adapt how we do and live our everyday lives. They're going to have to do the same when it comes to their job as well. So I don't feel bad for them. They're going to get it done. You know, bottom line is, is, and I heard Colin Coward talk about this earlier, is that you learn more on tape than you do just sitting there talking about how fast somebody is. Yes, you want a certain speed. Yes, I know the advanced analytics are just a part of the evaluation process in football as it is in baseball, although baseball does a, a better, not a better, but they do, they're more aggressive in, in putting those um, advanced analytics efforts out there and, and trying to make it a part of their broadcast and a part of their product. But man, I, I don't really feel like these teams are all of a sudden that much of at a disadvantage trying to evaluate this talent. You have the stats, you have the numbers in front of you. You got to do your due diligence, you got to call these, you know, call their coaches, you got to watch their film, you got to watch the tape. I mean, my goodness, what what are we missing here? Is it as convenient as what it has been in years past? No. Will next year's draft be more convenient? Hopefully this stuff is, you know, more under control and we can go back to, you know, everyday life as normal, which we know that's going to be a long shot, but you see my point. The bottom line is is that this isn't that big a deal. You're doing the draft from home, so what? So you're going to have to communicate in a different way with people. I don't care. It's not that big a deal. It's not worth me turning on my TV or turning on the radio to hear about these owners who are just crying and moaning and just being so negative about this. Bottom line is we are all doing our jobs in a different light. We are all doing it outside of our comfort zone, and that's just the reality of it. Not everything is going to be done comfortably. So that's why when I hear Adam Schefter, when I hear all these people say, well, we just need to wait, we just need to wait, we just need to If you're waiting for that comfortable moment to come where you're going to get to do it status quo and get to do it you know the same as normal the same as in years past you're going to be waiting a long time you're going to be waiting a long time do the draft use the resources that are being made available to you and shut up it gets old it definitely gets old i don't know about you guys but like you know the people that you work with you know we're all working in different ways you know the, the, i like to be around the people that are yeah, we're upset with how certain things are, but you know what? We're making the best of it. We're hitting the ground running, and we're trying to maximize everything based on the resources we have. And that's why I don't feel bad when billionaire, millionaire owners are upset because they can't sit next to somebody to tell them what to do, and they have to actually FaceTime somebody. Like, give me a break. All right, uh, hour one in the books, hour two coming up. Let's win some money, huh? You want a chance to win some money? Let's take advantage of that. Uh, when we come back, we'll have our uh, support local business $1,000 a day giveaway keyword that you will, again, insert at wingam.com. Again, 18 times a day from 6 a.m. to 11 p.m. You'll hear the keyword on the half-hour dots every hour, uh, and that's your key to go and, and, again, submit that word at wingam.com for your chance to win $1,000. We'll be back in a moment. More of the, Kinner, or more of the Justin Kinner Show, Hour 2, next. Okay, you know how it feels when you've saved enough for that long-awaited home edition? Imagine an addition on that addition. That's the feeling with Capital One, where a new savings account earns an interest rate five times the national average. That's right, five times, as represented by five times more singers. This is banking reimagined. Capital One, what's in your wallet? Terms apply. Rate comparison based on FDIC national rate. Capital One NA member FDIC. At AutoZone, we've always been there to help get you what you need when you need it. And that hasn't changed. That's why we want to let you know AutoZone stores are still open. Whether it's a quality part or a free battery test to help you stay on the road, we've got what you need. And if you do happen to need anything fast, we've got free store pickup inside the store or curbside. Your choice, as well as next day delivery. Our stores are open and we're ready to help make the job easier. Get in the zone. AutoZone. Restrictions and details at AutoZone.com. 
Our show, live here on ESPN Dayton. With the Justin Kinner Show, we're off and rolling here on a Wednesday. Hope you're all having a great day. Thanks to James Rapine with Sports Illustrated for hopping on to talk a little Cincinnati Bengals football just a few weeks away from the NFL draft. We know that the Bengals have the number one overall pick, most likely. In fact, I'm 99.9% sure they're taking Joe Burrow. And as I said earlier, I'm bored with that part of that conversation because I think that's a given. I'm just curious kind of with the direction of the rest of the draft. How, how is the rest of the draft going to look uh, at this point? And uh, appreciate James taking time and hanging out with us. Check that out at wingam.com. Plus, subscribe and download the Justin Kinner Show podcast. Where, of course, we archive all full show select segments. Every interview that we do, you can access right there in your Apple iTunes Store, Google Play Store, the Justin Kinner Show live here on 1410 ESPN Radio. All right, it's time for your chance to win $1,000. Head to wingam.com, okay, and click on the Support Local Business $1,000 a day giveaway. Every hour from 6 a.m. to 11 p.m., we give you a keyword. Our keywords are some of our local businesses here in the Miami Valley, uh, and we want to give support back to them. So they are our keywords for this cash contest here uh, over the next month. So head to wingam.com, click on the support local business, $1,000 a day giveaway cash contest. When you open that up, enter the word or enter the business Serta Pro Painters. All right, that's Serta with a C. Serta Pro Painters. Enter that as a whole. Again, there's, you know, space it out, everything that you need to do, okay? Spaces can be included. Serta Pro Painters is our business of the hour, our keyword for this hour's uh, support local business thousand dollar day cash contest uh keyword of the hour so make sure you enter that again at wingam.com thousand dollars thousand dollars on the line go register once again and uh, give yourself a chance to win a thousand dollars think of all the local businesses you could help support here in the miami valley if you are one of the local winners all right. Uh, again, it's the Justin Kinner Show here on 1410 ESPN Radio. We had James Rapino. We're going to have Aaron Torres from Fox Sports Radio coming up later on uh, in the program. And then uh, he'll be joining us at 530. We'll talk college football. We'll talk Obi Toppin uh, and the Dayton Flyers as well. That's actually what him and I were talking about yesterday. And he said he'd love to come on and voice his thoughts on the Obi Toppin and where he could potentially end up in the NBA draft. In fact, he said that he is... Kind of touch base with quite a few college and NBA coaches that have told him that, look, he thinks that by the time we get to the NBA draft that uh, Obi Toppin would have moved himself into the number one overall pick conversation. Uh, and I think that that's very unique and very interesting. Not that we should be shocked. I mean, you, when you look at everything that that kid has accomplished already, I mean, he swept every major award. It should not surprise you if his name did all of a sudden pop up in the conversation for that number one overall pick. How unique and cool would that be? So we'll get into that with Aaron Torres from Fox Sports radio coming up here in hour three all right so we talked to Bengals. let's transition over to the browns quickly again as i mentioned earlier today uh we all know that over the weekend they were close to finalizing a deal with Jadavion Clowney, which can you imagine if the Browns were able to pair, you know, Jadavion Clowney along with Miles Garrett? I mean, that pass rush right there. I mean, look out! <laughs> can you imagine, uh, right? Just how how dominant that defense would be, at least how scary that defense would be up front if you have Clowney along with Miles Garrett, and again in a in a division where you have to go up against MVP Lamar Jackson twice a year. In a division where you're going to have to go up against, uh, obviously, Joe Burrow, who will be a rookie, but moving forward again, this is about prepping a roster and a team for success beyond just 2020. 
Joe Burrow's the real deal, folks, and uh, let's be honest. With him being the real deal, even as a rookie, I'm not confident in that offensive line of the Bengals to protect him, and I think that the Browns can definitely uh, take advantage of that one major deficiency with the Cincinnati Bengals. As improved as they are on the defensive side, that's the one area to look out for, and I think that if they were able to land Jadavion Clowney, that would have been huge. Pittsburgh, same thing. Good, solid offensive line, but you want to put pressure on Big Ben. He's not as quick as he once was. Uh, he's not as agile. He's not as you know quick uh, from sideline to sideline as he once was, putting pressure on the quarterbacks is going to be key, not just in the AFC North against any opponent, but mostly very important in the AFC North to get that done because I think that the AFC North, as you heard James say in the last part of the show, that's the best division of football. And I agree. Uh, I can't think of another division uh, that is more competitive from top to bottom. And again, I'm not talking about last year's records. I'm talking about based on the offseason improvement. I don't think there's a division in football that is is going to be as competitive as the AFC North is. And that's pretty interesting because I thought last year was the worst division. The Steelers. One of the worst, I mean, they looked horrible. They won a decent amount of games, which was amazing when you looked at their win total by the end, playing with the third string quarterback for the majority of the season. But holy smokes. The Steelers were bad. The Browns were bad. The Bengals were bad. And then you have the Ravens, who won the AFC North for the second straight year. They had the MVP quarterback in Lamar Jackson. But, man, how much of the success of the Ravens? I mean, were the Ravens overhyped? You know, the Ravens got exposed in the playoff for the second straight year. You know, were they exposed because maybe they weren't as good as people thought because they beat up on their bad division all year? Only time will tell. But that's a much tougher division now moving forward. So with that being said, the Browns struck out on Jadavion Clowney. All right, they struck out on Jadavion Clowney and uh, Jags Pro Bowl defensive end. Uh, and again, and it's uh, Nagakwe, Yannick Nagakwe, again, Pro Bowl defensive end, been demanding a trade. All right, he's been demanding a trade since going back to, you know, in the middle of last season. And now all of a sudden the Jaguars have found themselves in a situation where they're trying to unload him before they head into the draft here in a few weeks. And the Cleveland Browns make a lot of sense. For one, he's cheaper. I don't really want to see the Browns go all out and dump, you know, $16, $17 million into Jadavion Clowney. I would love to see Clowney and Miles Garrett play together, but if they don't have to dump as much money into, you know, into that position to go out and get Nagakwe, I think that's going to be huge, and I think that's definitely going to put them um, in a position. Brandon, hop on here. You're you're challenging me here. What you said the What'd you say? Brandon, you there? Yes, I was saying the NFC South was the best division in football currently. Currently? Yeah. Let me hear your reasoning. You have the Bucks, you have the Saints, you have the Panthers, and the Falcons. The Panthers and the Falcons? Okay, yeah. But when you're talking about the offseason moves, like you said, not based on the record last year, but if you look at the offseason moves, I mean, the Falcons, you got Todd Gurley, um... The, I don't know if Teddy Bridgewater is really the quarterback, you know, of the future or how great he'll be there with Carolina. But I think they made improvements in that division. And then, of course, Tom Brady to the uh, to the Bucks. I mean, come on, that, that's a strong offseason for that division. No, no, no argument there. Like Tom Brady to the Bucks, that's big time. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm not gonna uh, Carolina. No, I mean when you have Rule coming out today and saying that look uh, that Teddy Bridgewater was a you know was a better fit. Then Cam Newton, I disagree a million and ten percent. Now, I know that's probably just lip service, just trying to build up confidence in his new quarterback in Bridgewater. Uh, But if I had to choose a healthy Bridgewater and Cam Newton with who he is now, assuming that he's going to be healthy next year, I'm taking Cam Newton every day. I'm surprised that the Panthers moved on from him. I know he's a diva and hard to deal with off the field. Uh, But, no, I'm not buying into the Panthers. As far as the Falcons are concerned, Brandon, I kind of like the Falcons. I think on paper, when you see Julio Jones, you see Matt Ryan, former MVP quarterback, uh, 
Uh, and then you add Gurley into the mix. I know it looks good, but, man, the Falcons have definitely underachieved the last two years. What's to say that they won't underachieve for a third straight year? That's true, very true. I, I, had, I had that in mind, too, when I thought about that, but I just like that division so far. So, fine. Well, I mean, that division, you look at that division, the Falcons, better than the Steelers? Uh, no, I don't know. It's debatable. Uh, the Falcons, better than the Browns? No. Are they better than the Ravens? No. And that would be your second best team in that division. And they wouldn't even, they're not better than the three teams in that division. Okay, I see that. I like how you broke it down. That's a fair argument. Okay. All right, but no, no, but you make a good point. Actually, no, the Falcons would not be the second best. I think you actually make a valid point here because it's Tampa, New Orleans, and New Orleans adding the weapons that they did. I, I mean, I, I think that, you know, the getting Drew Brees back uh, was big, but then they add, of course, Sanders, and they're adding some key pieces on the offense. I think that was those are some sneaky, quiet moves that no one gave them credit for. They're going to, I mean, the Saints and Bucks. I don't even know who's better between those two. Yeah, I don't know. I want to say the Saints just because I've seen them play together for like three straight years, even though the se season has ended on like the last play, I think, for them every year in the playoffs. I just like them. They've been together. They're hungry because of those last three trips. I think Mike Thomas is going to continue to pro progress. And like you said, Breeze is back. That's good for that offense going forward. Um, and I think they still have Taysom Hill. Taysom Hill, he's a restricted free agent. But, of course, he's not unrestricted, so he can't just leave. So I like the Saints bringing that uh, roster back. And they uh, made some good moves, like you said, on the offensive line and stuff this offseason. So I think the Saints should still be the favorite in that division. NFC West, interesting to me, too, because the Cardinals are going to be really good, Nick. I think they're going to be vastly improved from a year ago. Second-year quarterback, Kyler Murray, now we'll see if he takes a step back like we saw Baker take a step back in his second year or if he'll flourish after going out and getting Hopkins and, again, providing good weapons right there. Cardinals will be vastly improved. The Rams, two years removed from a Super Bowl appearance, and, again, you lose Gurley, just how much firepower is left there, but then you still have the Niners and Seahawks. If the Cardinals step up and provide that third threat in that division and the Rams are still, you know, there – the NFC West can be a super competitive conference. But there's a difference between the most competitive division and the best division. Right. The NFC West is kind of, they're the AFC North of the of the NFC, if you ask me. Agreed, agreed. I definitely think so. And another, um, Keon Drake, when he came over from the Dolphins to the Cardinals last year, he took off and they were able to franchise tag him. So they have him coming back and along with adding Hopkins. So I think that offense could really take off next year, depending on how that defense uh, looks for them, they could, you know, be borderline, maybe contending uh, to make the playoffs. All right, four five seven nine four six four. Give Brendan a call back in the studio. He'll get your information and relay it over to me. Um, we'll get your take here. The best division in football right now. You just heard James Rapine as well uh, from Sports Illustrated covers the Bengals now. Uh, he was a guest on our show in the first hour, and him and I were talking about the the AFC North and the vast improvements that the Bengals and Browns have made. To you know the, the automatic improvement of the Steelers by getting Big Ben back, and then of course the team that's won the division the last two years in the Ravens with MVP quarterback Lamar Jackson. That's to me. I look at that and say, oh, that's the, that's the best division. But i got to rephrase that. I think that's the most competitive division from top to bottom. I think that the Bengals team could win anywhere between six to seven games, seven, I think eight on the high end. I, I think they could win eight games. I really do. Um, but then you have the Browns. I think a nine to ten win season is expected from them. I think that the Steelers, you know, can win eight to nine games. Uh, I think the Ravens, I, I don't think you're going to see them get to 13 or you know 12 wins. I think they're at nine or ten. I think that that division is going to cannibalize one another a little bit. Um, but I think it's the most competitive uh, but is it the best? Four five seven nine four six four. Um, when you take a look at that. But as far as the Browns go, 
uh, going and trying to target defensive end uh, Nagakwe. Again, Yannick Nagakwe from the Jaguars. Look, uh, I, I've read reports from anywhere of the Jaguars looking for a you know a first-round pick and a fourth-round pick or maybe two twos. I don't know if that particular need, I mean, is that a glaring need for the Browns that they need to go and do that? I mean, you can see that a lot of these teams are putting, uh, investing a ton into a dominant pass rush. Complimenting Miles Garrett is going to be a big deal for the Browns. And again, I like Vernon. I think by not getting Clowney, you get to keep Vernon, too, in that, role, in that versatile role as well. So you still got to address linebacker, though. Linebacker is my number one concern for the Browns. It's my number one concern for the Bengals as well outside of the offensive line. Um, but it's interesting that you're still seeing this team continue to be aggressive and trying to add another defensive end or another defensive pass rusher, uh, and that would definitely address that with uh, with Nagakwe. But it'll be interesting what the Browns do moving forward. All right, we'll step away for a few moments. We'll get to your calls and your reaction on social media. Also, when we come back, keep in mind, we'll talk about New Jerseys in the NFL. I mean, we're seeing the Falcons roll their New Jerseys out. The Browns will be releasing theirs coming up around the corner. I actually am a big fan of what the Buccaneers did with theirs. Um, and I don't really get too much into the Jersey conversation, but I know a lot of people are fired up about it. And I'm curious, what do you want to see in the Browns' New Jerseys? Uh, I'm curious what people have to say about that we'll get into that coming up also justin fields he's been a little vocal lately he kind of took a shot at tate martell today that i think is the ultimate burn we'll discuss next as soon as we're back out in our yard yep we get company dandelions lurking crabgrass and wheat thin grass but scott's turf builder triple action takes care of them all now, with one bag, you can kill weeds, prevent crabgrass for up to four months, and feed for greener grass. Triple action, so your lawn thrives, guaranteed. Only from Scott's. Weeds aren't welcome here. This is a Scott's Yard. Pick up a bag of Scott's Triple Action today. Do you want to learn to speak a new language but don't have enough time? Then you need to try Babbel, the language learning app that you can try for free right now at Babbel.com. Babbel's lessons are just 15 minutes or less, and you can go at your own pace. There's a lot going on right now, and more than ever, people need their tax refund. H&R Block has many ways to do your taxes as safely as possible. Work with a tax pro remotely, drop off, or file online. Block is always here to help. On ESPN Dayton, 1410 Wing AM. Welcome back. We'll have our next keyword for our support local business, $1,000 day giveaway coming up here at 4.30, about 10, 15 minutes from now. We'll uh, release that to get another chance for you to win $1,000. Uh, make sure you're keeping that locked in here to 1410 Wing AM uh, throughout the day. Uh, as, again, every hour from 6 a.m. to 11 p.m., we are giving, we are announcing a keyword that you can go take to wingam.com. Enter as many later on today. Just kind of curious what people's reaction would be. It's about what I thought, but I do. I think the Indians are starting to gain a little bit of ground, though, with the Reds or the favorite at 39 percent the reds bengals browns indians brandon what say you of those four which one of those is winning a national or not national which one of those is winning a championship first i think i'm gonna have to agree with you as far as the indians because i think they have more pieces they still have a good um pitching staff they still have even though they entertain trading uh francisco lindor in the offseason they haven't traded him yet and they still have him one of the best top five players in the game still so I think the Indians still have the best shot, but I think the Browns actually should be after them to have the best shot to win their Super Bowl. I think between the Bengals and the Browns, the Browns are closer, and I think if they keep they keep putting talented rosters together, but I just need to see them actually go out there, execute, and make something happen in the playoffs before I can take the Browns serious. But I think the Indians are the closest team, will be the next team in Ohio to win a championship. Man, I can't believe I'm saying this, but I, I can't. 
I don't trust the Browns front office. I was so cocky. I was so locked in the last two years, especially when Schlemmer and I were doing the show together. I was locked in that I thought that the talent alone can overcome the chaos at the top. And he kept, and Schlemmer kept warning me until further notice to the Browns. Until, and I was locked in on the Browns. But I learned that last year. I was like, they, they make. They're the, the only ones that could stop the Browns or themselves half the time. I mean, they are undefeated. They have always beat themselves. They have never lost to themselves. They are undefeated against themselves. Last year was a prime example. I'm not saying they would have won the Super Bowl last year, but in that weak division, I mean, I think the AFC North is the most competitive division in football this year, but last year was one of the most embarrassing divisions in football. If there was ever a year for the Browns to make the playoffs, it should have been last year. And yet, because of their boneheaded decision of who they hired as a head coach, it got in their way. It shot them in the foot. There was no player development. There was no team or roster development. It was embarrassing. I like the Stefanski hire, but I cannot buy into that that Browns front office. As much as I beat up on the Bengals, as much as I poke fun at Mike Brown and Bengals fans, I still think the Bengals are in a better are in better shape as a whole than the Browns. Uh, and the Browns have more talent right now, but as a whole. I, if I feel less uncomfortable with the Bengals front office than I do um, with the Browns, that's for sure. I like that both organizations in Cincinnati were aggressive this all season, off season because fans have talked about them being afraid to make moves, afraid to spend money, not being aggressive. But both teams made moves in this off season that are going to that are gonna help them. And I think they're, both fan bases are excited. Cincinnati is a good place to be right now for those two teams. All right, four five seven nine four six four. Uh, the Reds front office again. Go on to Twitter, give this a vote. Uh, which of the four pro teams I just mentioned between the Reds, uh, the Bengals, Browns, and Indians? Which of those four teams will win a championship first? Not which one's closer, and that might be some people's mindsets on it too. Well, you know, more talented. You know, the the Reds are pretty complete. That's a pretty complete roster. Does that mean that they'd be a favorite to win a World Series? I don't know, but I think they have a very. I think they have a solid bullpen, really good rotation. They have hitters all up and down that lineup. It's not the best team in Major League Baseball, but uh, I do think that they are the most complete. They're more complete than the Indians. They're more complete than the Browns and the Bengals. I think that the Reds are the most complete team, but as far as front office goes, I'll, I'm going to give the edge to the Indians. Uh, that's for sure as we currently sit here. I agree with that. That makes sense. Um, yeah, yeah. I can't, I can't disagree with that. I kind of want to argue with that, but I, I, that makes sense. All right, we'll get back into that coming up later on in the show. I just want to keep track of the results of that. Uh, but, Brandon, I mean, who, who's your team? Who's your main NFL team? The Bengals. The Bengals. I apologize. All <laughs> right, so your main team is the Bengals. Now, uh, we're, we've seen teams as of late that are doing these big jersey reveals, and everyone's getting and buying all into these jersey reveals of the new jerseys. Look, I'm a traditionalist when it comes to like I I love when I tune into a game I love I, the the look of the teams I love the t the look of the teams to remain the same I don't like when they keep changing jerseys every week I hate the Browns color I hate all color rush jerseys There's no color rush jerseys I like at all um, But I know every fan has their particular look of their team that they like um, For one throw all, you know throw the individual jerseys out the window for a moment I just like the traditional look of, especially in the NBA, it drives me nuts when I'm tuning into games and the home team is wearing the dark jerseys and the away team is wearing the white jerseys. That drives me nuts. Home, team wear, home teams wear the white jerseys, the away teams wear the dark jerseys. I don't know why that's so hard to figure out. But people are making such a big deal about the new jersey reveals for these teams. Browns fans are going nuts. Is there a particular jersey uh, you know, matchup that you like for the Bengals? Which is your favorite one? Um... I like I kind of like their color rush jersey actually it's the all white one um with the the black um marks on like the tiger mark stripes I mean 
on the shoulder pad. I really, really like that one. It's just kind of like an icy look, and it's, I really like those. Yeah, right now, uh, Paulie the Bengal fan sending this in, and see this is in the ones he, the black jerseys. It has the the Bengal stripe on each shoulder. Again, the white number with the orange outline, uh, with the orange trim, and then the white pants with the Bengal stripes on the side. Oh, yeah. Th- actually, Paulie, me and you agree on something for once. These are my favorite ones too. I don't like when they get too cute with the jerseys. Uh, as far as the Browns go, look. You know, the simple is better. Less is more. When it comes to NFL jerseys, I always think less is more. The more that they try to add to it, the more that I think it's, you know, it, it, it just, you know, especially the colors, they bleed on TV. I don't like it. I don't like the color rush jerseys. Um, but the Browns are supposed to release their jersey coming up next week, and people are, they have all these opinions of what they don't want it to look like, but I never hear what they want it to look like. Pauly sent in what he liked about the Bengals jerseys. I'm curious what people's opinion is on the Browns. Brandon, I know you're not a big Browns fan, but is there a particular Browns matchup that you like? I liked, like the older style they kind of had when they had just the brown jersey and then the white pants and with the, I think the the orange stripe going down the side. I like those. They need to kind of go back to those. I think so. Yeah, and see, uh, Paul sent another one too. I don't like the white on white. I don't like the white jersey on the white jersey or on the white pants. Uh, I don't know why. Just I, I like the separation there. I know for Ohio State too. Um, Ohio State, I just like the the you know the the red and the gray. That's all I care about. I don't like the the new jerseys that they break out once a year for one of their bigger opponents. I can't stand those. Um, actually, you know the jerseys I remember growing up, they had the 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 red and the gray and the white stripe on the shoulder pad or whatever, and then just the simple number. The white jerseys for Ohio State were my favorite there. Um, but as far as NFL goes, I don't have a big opinion about the jersey makeup for the Browns coming out next week. You know what? I don't care if they have the ugliest jerseys in the world. Just go win. Um, I I did like the Bucks jerseys though. The Buccaneers when they released theirs um I, it was simple. It was just it, they didn't make a lot of changes. It actually looked more like their old jerseys back when they won the Super Bowl uh, in the early 2000s. So I, I kind of like that. I, I didn't mind that. But yeah, less is more. People beating up on the on the Falcons. They didn't like that. I thought the ATL. I get why they did it. It's the ATL, but I didn't like that. Yeah, I didn't like that. And it's right across the middle. I didn't like that look. It's just too big right there. All right, four five seven nine four six four. But uh, and then someone messaged in too about Oregon. Uh, do you like? I don't like all the Oregon ones too when they come out and have a different jersey each week. I just like that tradition. I like a traditional look for any team that when you're growing up and you look at that jersey, you always think of the, you know those old, you know the historic teams. You can always look at those jerseys and go back to a time. You know I don't mind when they kind of ch- you know change it up every once in a while. I know I grew up a Cowboys fan, um, and I just like the the white jersey with the gray pants. I, I didn't like you know the blue ones were okay. I didn't mind those but I just I wanted to see them in the white jerseys the blue pants that's how you that's how you knew and they would always wear those on the road or at home that's what I like as far as they're concerned the Packers the green and the yellow pants man I don't like some games are throwing out white pants sometimes yeah. I, I you know <laughs> the Steelers the, the hate the bumblebee jerseys by the way um, but I do like the, the black jerseys with the yellow pants simple just stop making all these changes. I mean, it's not a fashion contest. They always have to throw, and I, I get it. It's all about money. It's ways every time they change the jersey, they can go and sell these new jerseys and get a lot of dollars and a lot of money on that. I'm not a fan of that. Leave the jerseys alone. What about baseball? I'm a, of all the jerseys out there, I love the Yan- I mean, the Yankees. I'm not a Yankees fan. I love the pinstripes, but the Reds jerseys are my favorite. Not just because I'm a Reds fan, but the Reds jerseys always pop to me. Mine will be the Yankees. I just love the pinstripes. No names on the back. Uh, it just goes along with the Yankees tradition. So, uh, yeah, that's my favorite in the MLB. 
Yeah, I'm trying to think of some other ones. I, the Cubs, I like the Cubs. I like the oh, Cubs right. with the stripes as well. Mm-hmm. I do like those. I think those look sharp. Uh, I don't like the all gray ones. As far as the Reds are concerned, you know, I like the home ones. I like the ones, uh, the Griffey jersey back in the day with the, the vest looking one. That oh, was yeah, one of my yeah. favorites as well. Uh, but as far as I'm concerned, just the white jerseys for the Reds at home, those pop, they look clean. Uh, but man, I just, I, you know, when everyone gets all crazy about redoing the jerseys for everybody, it drives me up the wall. Uh, Ron messages in that the Oregon, yeah, Oregon changes every week. The Yankees never change. I keep that the same. Uh, Paul says he likes the 70s Reds jerseys. Uh, he says he likes the white on white. Uh, he hates the black pants with the white jersey. I'm not a big fan of the white or the black pants either as far as that concern. Uh, also coming in, the Giants and Jets uh, haven't changed. Uh, the Jets changed last year. Yep. I didn't like it. A lot of people were ripping the Jets because it looked too similar to the Eagles. They had that Eagles green, uh, and a lot of people didn't like that either. But all right, we'll get back into that coming up around the corner. When we come back, we'll talk a little Ohio State football. Again, Justin Fields takes a shot at Tate Martell. Uh, and interesting comments made about Cam Newton uh, that we'll get into coming up around the corner as well. And then I also want to get into this, just how confident are Bengals fans with Zach Taylor. We'll get into all that coming up. More of the Justin Kinner Show next. The Home Depot is here to help, and we have many ways to help. You can download our app or go online to find the essential products and information you need quickly. You can order what you need online, and we can have it waiting for you at the store. Or we can even deliver over a million items free. And we have thousands of how-to videos for the projects and repairs you need to make. We're here to help. The Home Depot, how doers get more done. In business today, being ready is more challenging than ever. As you work to keep your doors open and employees and customers protected, Cintas is here to help. Our trucks can deliver essential supplies like soap, microfiber towels, disposable gloves, paper. To the Justin Kidder Show, right here on ESPN Dayton, 1410 Wing AM. Just a reminder that Certipro Painters was our keyword business of the hour for Nestle these years. Again, all of us trying to stick together during these tough times. So take advantage of that, a chance to win $1,000. Think of all these local businesses you can help support if you're one of the lucky winners. Or just think of how much it can help you if you come away with that as well. Uh, getting a lot of responses in regards to the... Uh, Jersey conversation, again, I just find it interesting that so many people get fired up about jerseys. And I just don't like when the jerseys are changing all the time. I I think that you should have a good combination to kind of help, you know, separate it from game to game. I think you need, obviously, the home jersey, the away jersey. But when we start mixing it up to where you don't have set home jerseys, you don't have set away jerseys, it's just you're wearing different ones every week. It's not a big deal, uh, but to me, it's I, I cannot stand it. I hate the NBA right now. I hate that when I tune into the NBA, you have the home team wearing the uh, the dark jerseys now. That irritates me, man. I just feel like, the, you know, I grew up watching basketball. The home team wore the white jerseys. The away team wore the dark jerseys. It's that simple. It's that simple. Uh, what else did we get? Jamie Day. Jamie, how are you, man? Yeah, thanks for reaching out. He says that the Bengals' uh, all-white color rush uh, with the bright orange helmets are popping. That's my favorite jersey for Cincinnati. I just can't get into the, the color rush ones. Um, I should like them. I feel. I mean, they're kind of cool. They're kind of unique. I like that they were using them on Thursday Night Football to kind of help separate that game and kind of give that game a different feel than the others. Uh, I like that concept. I thought that was a cool little marketing thing. But we all know, as I mentioned, and, and, and Nick, how are you? Nick Phillips, he reaches out to said it's simple. Uh, more jerseys equals more money. It's all about the cash revenue um, from fans, you know, buying up gear. Absolutely. I mean, that's why they change it every so often. Sometimes it's just a little tweak here and there, um, and you always want the 
updated jerseys. I mean, it's smart. I get it. But at the same time, like, you should leave some things alone long enough to allow them to kind of build up a little tradition in history. I mean, you didn't see these jerseys change as often or as quickly, you know, in the 60s, 70s, 80s, and all that. So you start getting into the 90s, and then you start seeing new jerseys come out, not just in the NFL, but the NBA, Major League Baseball, and, and other sports as well. College, you don't notice it. As much, um, I know that you know UD has spit out a couple new jerseys the last couple years. I, I did I, my favorite Wright State jersey. They have the when they do the camo night, when they do their military appreciation night. The white home jerseys are actually uh, all camo. Uh, it's a cool story. I mean, they had a. You know, they I think it was Air Force. They had a game lined up with Air Force. The contract, I believe, ended up like falling through, but they had a game lined up with Air Force. Nike had provided them with these camo jerseys. They're the only team in college basketball that has those home camo jerseys. Those are sharp. Those are really cool. If you haven't had a chance to see those, I suggest you you know you, you head out to Military Appreciation Night next year for that because th- those are pretty cool. Um, but I like those. But, again, the white jerseys are home. Dark jerseys on the road. I think it's pretty simple. But four five seven nine four six four. Uh, what else did we have here? Uh, do 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 do. Uh, Polly says he liked the seventies Reds jerseys as well. You know the Reds jerseys have always looked sharp. I don't really have a Reds jersey that I dislike. Um, you know there, there's always that color combination that you don't like. But the Reds, I think I'm a big fan of every one of their jerseys. Uh, but I'm definitely a fan of theirs now. I think less is more, and that's key. But the Browns are supposed to be releasing theirs next week, and I keep hearing you know they're very plain. The Browns jerseys have always been plain. The only thing that you can honestly complain about, I guess, is the the color scheme, right? Like whatever the color scheme is that they throw out there. Um, You know, the bright orange, you know, I'm not a big fan of those. I just like the white with the brown pants or the brown jersey with the white pants. I mean, I think they should go back to those. And, of course, you have the orange and the brown and the white stripe on the shoulder pad. Keep hearing that they're maybe tinkering with the helmet. What what can you – I saw Schlemmer post that earlier today. What difference – what – what else can you do with the helmet for the Browns? It's just an all-orange helmet. What else can you do to tinker with the helmet other than put a logo on the side? But do you want that weird little creepy elf thing to put on the side? No. And their other logo is their helmet. So you can't have an orange helmet decal on the side of your all-plain orange helmet. That makes absolutely zero sense. So I don't know what else they could do. Maybe put a stripe on it, I'm assuming. Um, but who knows? I've, I find all that very interesting to me as to what they're doing. And again, just go back... To what I mean again, that's when you let the fans vote. You let them pick what it is. Regardless, stop changing it. But I am curious. Uh, a week from now, when the Browns reveal theirs, what the reaction is going to be uh, when that time comes. All right. So earlier today, Justin Fields. Again, we everyone remembers last year when you know a little before this time, whenever uh, Justin Fields had hit uh, the the transfer portal. And right away, you know, it was Ryan Day's team with the Buckeyes, and he had to, you know, hit the ground running. I mean, we figured that, you know, Tate Martell, it was going to be his season with the Buckeyes. We knew it was going to be his time to to shine as the quarterback of Ohio State. Look, he had to sit back. He had to be very patient. He was sitting behind Dwayne Haskins. He, you know, or he was sitting behind, you know, J.T. Barrett. Then he had to sit behind Dwayne Haskins. It was finally his opportunity to be the guy last year for Ohio State. And then the rumbling started when you have this big-time quarterback entering the transfer portal at Georgia and Justin Fields. And all of a sudden, you can tell that Tate Martell started to feel the heat a little bit. He started to feel the pressure, and uh, you know, he started being very cocky and very mouthy. And he started, you know, talking about how Justin Fields, you know, he wants to come here to Ohio State and take my job. You know, well, if you're going to do that, you better not swing and miss, you know, for a second time. Of course, alluding to the fact that you know Justin Fields wasn't good enough uh, to get the starting job at Georgia. 
Georgia over from, right? Like, that's what he was alluding to, which I wasn't a fan of because you're talking about someone as if he's your competition. Although he's your internal competition, he's still your teammate. So I wasn't a fan of how Tate Martell was coming across and making himself look during that time. So we knew that even if Justin Fields came to Ohio State, and he did, obviously, don't, you know, but if, he, if Tate Martell would have stayed, the tension between those two alone would have already led to an awkward dynamic within that locker room. You don't need, you know, you don't want your, especially the quarterback position, the most high-profile position, you don't want drama between, the, you know, the first string, the second string quarterback, because you want a good, healthy competition, but you also don't want internal drama that's going to lead to guys, uh, forcing guys to take sides. That's not what you want, especially when you're trying to convince Justin Fields that this is the place to be, and you don't want... Have to, you don't want him to feel like he's coming into a situation that he's going to be uncomfortable, which probably led to the conversation of telling Tate Martell, see ya, best of luck in all your future endeavors, which it did lead to that. But I, I mentioned that line that Tate Martell dropped about don't swing and miss for a second time, and I thought that was interesting because, well, that quote kind of made its way back full circle again. Justin Fields was out on the golf course. He had a little picture of him golfing today, and uh, the caption on Twitter underneath, I just thought it was the ultimate troll move. I thought it was an excellent tweet. Uh, I always love a good Twitter spat uh, back and forth. I always, especially when I'm not the one involved in it, I'm very entertained when I'm watching other people kind of go at one another on social media. That's always the fun part of it. But I found this interesting as he's, of course, talking about his golf game, and he said, hey, at least I didn't swing and miss. And we all know exactly who that was aimed at, and of course, that was at Tate Martell. How about Tate Martell, though, man? That, I mean, he fell on his face. I mean, he not only did he expect to be the the quarterback for Ohio State, he couldn't even stay at Ohio State. Then he goes to Miami. He couldn't even get the the the, the starting job at Miami. And then he had that mysterious absence, that mysterious like you know absence from the team for a while, and no one really knew where he was. And then all of a sudden he's back. They're playing in the bowl game, and then he's getting you know I think he got a snap or two at quarterback, and then he was right back at tight end or wide receiver, and getting you know random snaps there. Just a very strange you know development. Then you have the the girlfriend of Tate Martell and the mom of Tate Martell going back and forth at one another on Twitter. You know Tate Martell's mom coming out and tweeting that the girlfriend is the reason that he's not playing football and that he hasn't been the same since dating her. And then the girlfriend's coming out and saying that that's all lies and that he chose not to play on his own. It was entertaining as hell. It was like watching a digital version. It was like watching a Twitter version of Jerry Springer. It was unreal. Um, but Tate Martell, you know, I know people were super pumped whenever it was announced that he was coming to Ohio State. Obviously, that didn't work out. But Justin Fields taking a shot at him today, I found that to be Pretty entertaining, uh, nonetheless. Uh, everyone remember Jerry uh, Mat Matos with the D uh, Dayton Flyers. He transferred out. We now know where he ended up. We'll discuss next. Don't go anywhere. You have empty office space to fill. You know what you need, and you know what you'd like. 
you also have a pretty good idea after you've shopped around the usual places that what you need and what you'd like it might not happen. Well, then you haven't been to Charles Larrick's Warehouse Outlet. Nobody has their selection. Nobody has their discounts. And every week there's something new. If you need office furniture, Charles Larrick's Warehouse Outlet can sell it to you for half price and below manufacturer suggested prices. Half price and below on hundreds of items. Selection? From budget to the best, really. Desks from fifty to five thousand dollars. File cabinets twenty-five to five hundred dollars. Before you go anywhere else, do yourself a favor and come to Larrick's Outlet with eighty-seven thousand. To the Justin Kidder Show, right here on ESPN Dayton, fourteen ten Wing AM. All right, welcome back. It's the Justin Kinner Show live here on fourteen ten ESPN Radio. So the NBA. Uh, is doing something pretty cool here. At least it sounded cool. The concept of it was cool. And then they have to do what they typically do, and that's get the, the bottom of the barrel guys uh, to fulfill this. I'm, I'm not a big fan of this. I shouldn't even say that some of these guys are bottom of the Zach Levine, like... You know, he has a big name, or not a big name, he has a known name because of, you know, his performances in the dunk contest, which during the NBA All-Star Week, and he's done that multiple times. But here's my thing with that. There, I mean, we watch cool dunks all the time. I mean, heck, you know, here in the area, how many awesome, amazing dunks did we watch from Obi Toppin this year? But I've always said that it's not the dunk that people are oohing and aahing over. It's the who's doing the dunk. Who's doing? I know this is a three-point competition, but I'm talking about Zach Levine. You know, Levine gets as big as he did, does because of his performance in the dunk contest. But the dunk contest, everyone has basically said that's that's a yawn fest. It's boring. No one cares because it's not that they don't enjoy the dunks. Still, it's they they are not fans of who's doing the dunks. I'm not tuning in to watch Levine. I'm not gonna. I mean, I might tune into this because there's nothing else on. But I don't care about Levine. And we're talking. I mean, Levine's known for dunking. What the hell? I don't care about watching him in horse. You know, you, I mean, Trey Young, best shooter of, uh, of everyone right there. Now, maybe there's other current active NBA names there. Those are the first three names to be released. Chris Paul, Trey Young, Zach Levine. Uh, it says the WNBA players and recent NBA alumni will also enter the event. This is where LeBron James needs to step up. Like, this is where the Kevin Durant, the LeBron James, uh, you know, the Antetokounmpo's of the world, like, you want to be the, the, the faces of the league, then stop disappearing when stuff like this goes on that you could be the face of it. Like, that's the frustration. You know, LeBron's all for making those stupid Taco Tuesday little, uh, you know, little videos and all that stuff. But, like, this is where he should be stepping up. I mean, what's, what's it hurting him to play horse? Really? Is it going to be bad for his brand if he doesn't beat Zach Levine in a game of horse? That's his stupid excuse for why he doesn't participate in the dunk contest. No, but regardless, I had to throw my negative two cents in there. But I, I do think this is pretty cool that the NBA is, you know, doing something like this. ESPN going to televise it. I don't know how it's going to work. I don't think that these guys are all going to be together because that's, you know, a no-no right now. Um, but I'm assuming that all of this is going to be televised from individual courts or gyms in, in their respective houses. Uh, but pretty neat. But WNBA players, uh, you know, Chris Paul, uh, Zach Levine, um, and guys like that, as well as recent NBA alumni. I mean, I don't know who that can who that can be. I mean, Tim Duncan's a recent NBA uh, alumni. I mean, Vince Carter. That's, you know, that's another one. Vince Carter. You know, I think he was playing in his 21st season. Uh, and he technically played like in four decades, if I'm not mistaken, the 90s, the 2000s, 2010s, and now the 2020s. Uh, first player to say he could technically say he played in four different decades. But um, 
this was supposed to be his last year. This was supposed to be his like farewell, uh, and he's not getting that. I think he already bid farewell to the league because I don't think there's going to be another NBA game. Uh, he may have already played his last game. But regardless, kudos to the NBA. I think this is pretty neat. NBA will televise a horse competition, which features Chris Ball, Trey Young, and more. So we'll keep an eye on that and see which names are going to be added into it. I'd love to see some coins. I'd love to see... You know, a dunk con- like a legit dunk contest with legit dunkers, not mid-card guy. You know, if we're going to use like a wrestling reference, when you get to the NBA All-Star Weekend, there's no main eventers in the dunk contest. They're all your mid-card guys. They're all the guys that fill up the middle of the card that, you know, oh, it's something to watch, but I'm not dropping what I'm doing to go watch those guys. Get the big hitters out. Let's watch a legit dunk contest. Let's get the big names in there. Let's get LeBron James out there. All right, hour two in the books, hour three coming up. Uh, Aaron Torres with Fox Sports Radio. We're going to get to him coming up around the corner. College football and college basketball writer for Fox Sports. We'll get to him coming up. We're going to talk a little college football as well as Obi Toppin and the Flyers. Obi Toppin, uh, he's very high on, on where he could potentially end up. So looking forward to that, uh, talking with him coming up around the corner. Hour three of the Justin Kinner Show next. <laughs> Of the Justin Kinner Show. Welcome in. How are you? Justin Kinner with you here. Hope you had a great day at work. If you're just getting off work and tuning into the show, thank you. Great to hang out with you here. Keep it locked in here to 1410 Wing AM. Here in the next 30 minutes, I'll reveal our next keyword for your chance to win $1,000. It's our support local business $1,000 day giveaway. Your shot to win $1,000 uh, coming up here in just about a half hour. Also at 5.30, we will be joined by Aaron Torres from Fox Sports Radio. We'll talk some college football, college basketball with him. Uh, the college hoops part of the conversation will be geared more towards uh, Obi Toppin and the NBA draft. So uh, looking forward to talking with him coming up in just about a half hour. Uh, Twitter poll from earlier today. Which of the four Ohio Pro teams below will win a championship first? It's our four. Uh, four. Uh, you know, obviously there's more than four pro teams here in the state of Ohio, but the main four that we focus on, the Reds, Bengals, Browns, Indians, I put out the poll of which of those teams will win a championship before the other. And right off the bat, you got to think, okay, well, you know, the Reds, pretty good roster. The Browns, very good roster. The Bengals have definitely improved. Um, the Indians, they're the only team of those four that is continuously outsourcing guys. Like, they're, they're, you know, they're sending out the Klubers. They're getting rid of Kluber. They're getting rid of, getting rid of Bauer. It's only a matter of time before Lindor has moved on. We're hoping that he's moving on to the Reds. That's, that's what a lot of Reds fans are counting on and wanting, or at least we're counting on at some point this season, if we get a season. Uh, but it's a fun conversation to have right now based on the results. The Reds have received 40% of the vote. 40% of fans thinks that the Reds will be the first to win a championship over the Bengals, Browns, and Indians moving forward. Uh, Reds with 40% of the vote. The Browns right behind them at 31. The Indians with 20% of the vote. And the Bengals coming in and last with 9% of the vote. Again, which of those four teams will win the championship first? That's the poll question. Go vote on uh, follow me on Twitter at 1410 Kenner. Then you get Baker in as a starter, your four head coaches into his start, and he's heading into year three. He's already playing for his fourth different head coach. That's a problem. So I don't like the front office. So I disagree. I do not believe, even though the Browns will begin winning more games, and I think that they will be a playoff team, I do not believe that they will win a Super Bowl. I don't think that they're close. I think that they're always going to be a step behind because of decision making. Um, And a lot of that's going to be on display coming up with the draft. As far as the Bengals are concerned, 
They're not as bad as what I think that they're being represented here in this poll. I actually think that after this draft, if you think about 2021, you know, we, we are not patient with drafting quarterbacks. <clears throat> Excuse me. We are not patient with drafting quarterbacks anymore. We want to draft these quarterbacks. We want to win with them right away. You know, quarterbacks are no longer projects. You are, spo- you are expected to come in and be as, a, as close to a finished product as possible. That pressure is going to be real, and it's going to be there quickly for Joe Burrow and the Bengals. You're expected to win right away. Now, had the Bengals drafted Joe Burrow and not spent all this money in the offseason, I think he could have been eased in more. I think that the front office, if they did anything, and I'm not saying they did anything wrong, but if they did anything, um, you know, they made things more difficult for Joe Burrow because there's really no excuse. You gave him an all-pro wide receiver and A.J. Green, you could have let him go. You could have traded him to get additional picks, and you didn't. You gave him a finished product. You gave him a Pro Bowl wide receiver. You gave him another one in Tyler Boyd. You gave him, you know, AFC's leading rusher from two years ago uh, in Mixon. The bottom line is Joe Burrow is coming in and being expected to win. I think that the Bengals are a lot closer than people give him credit for. But when it's all said and done, I'm rolling with the organization that is has the best representation from up top. Who is the best coach? Who is the best front office? And that answers the Cleveland Indians. So when I threw out that poll question today, the Indians, uh, you know, got 19% of the vote. Right now, um, as far as that first team from Ohio to win a championship up next. And look, I think that it is the Indians. I think that the Indians are run better up top. I think they have the best coach slash manager, however you want to re- you know, refer to him as in, in this conversation, because we're including both football and baseball. Uh, you know, I'm a big fan of Francona. I think that as long as the Indians have him, they're always going to be in that position or at least within striking distance of putting a super competitive team out on, on the field. So for me, it's the Indians. It starts at the top. It's the front office. And to me, that's why of those four teams, if I had to pick between the Reds, Bengals, Browns, and Indians, which of the four teams I just mentioned from Ohio will win a championship first, it has to be the Cleveland Indians. I don't care how talented the Browns are. They will always beat themselves. They will always get in their way. I don't care how talented the Bengals are. There's going to be a certain point where they make that Bengals decision. I mean, look, they were able to get the Bengals built to a point where they were able to get to the playoffs five straight years, and that's what a lot of Bengals fans are kind of hanging their hat on as far as trying to win arguments to convince people that the Bengals are not as bad an organization as what many people accuse them of being. But as I've stated in the past, the Cleveland Cavaliers out of the NBA, they've won an NBA championship in the past decade. They went to four straight NBA finals, and yet... No one looks at them as a premier franchise. There's not a lot of franchises that can make it to four straight NBA finals. There's not a lot of franchises that win NBA championships, especially in the day and age of now where everyone, you know, the super teams are dominating everything. So winning doesn't always cure everything. A lot of it is perception of what's up top, and what's up top for the Bengals is questionable. What's up top for the Browns is questionable. What was up top for the Reds, I think, has been questionable. Um, But I think that you are seeing a plan that is put in place, and they are orchestrating that plan pretty well right now. That's why it's so devastating that there is not a 2020 baseball season right now, because I think you would have finally started to turn the corner on the confidence that you have in the Reds' front office. Because I think they are making all the right decisions right now. I think that they are doing a good job of balancing out the new baseball with the old baseball. All right, David Bell uh, is obviously a little old school, but he is definitely bought in to all the new school stuff that I'm not a big fan of. But he's embracing the analytics and he's embracing the plan of the front office. And I think regardless of whether you agree with the direction of the front office, 
We all know that the best franchises out there are ones that are always on the same page. The Patriots, they may butt heads at times, but they're always on the same page. All right, that's what makes them great. When you think of those great, you know, the, the San Antonio Spurs out of the NBA, they're always on the same page. That's why they always seem prepared and they're always going in the right direction. For the first time in a long time, I feel that that is the Reds' front office. doesn't always mean they're making the right decisions, but I do feel like there's no one trying to stab one another in the back. That's how I felt about the Browns. When Hugh Jackson was there, the Hugh Jackson versus Todd Haley. And then you have Dorsey, you know, clean house there, and then bring in Freddie Kitchens. And then Freddie Kitchens button heads with his offensive coordinator, and, you know, and Munkin and those guys. It just, it was a mess. It's not a mess in Cincinnati right now. It's definitely not a mess with the Cleveland Indians right now. Uh, I don't know how much that the Indians are going to invest into a rebuild, but I do believe that they are... Not going to blow this entire thing up. I think that because you have that good core of pitching, that it's going to be easier to build around that. And I think they're in a better place. Four five seven nine four six four. All right. So uh, we'll get to your reactions coming up in just a moment. But the Reds, forty-one percent of the vote are the favorites to win it all. So we talked about coaching. David Bell with the Reds. You know, as the manager of the Reds. All right. You have Francona, the manager of the Indians, and then you have, uh, of course, you know. When you look at the Cleveland Browns and getting Stefanski, a first-year head coach, and then there's Zach Taylor. And this is the part of the conversation where I branch away and go into this about the Cincinnati Bengals. The Bengals are in an interesting situation. I like the situation that the Bengals are in. This is the fun, exciting time. Bengals fans, you got to go through the miserable years of, uh, of the last place finishes, and although you may not truly believe in your front office, this is still at least a time of optimism. Uh, it's a time of hope. Because as of right now, Joe Burrow's your savior. And you're relying on him and you're confident in his ability to come in and turn things around. The same way that Browns fans felt about Baker Mayfield. We're pat like the the honeymoon stage for Baker Mayfield is over. All right, now you're starting to see people kind of jump off the the bandwagon a little bit. You're starting to see a lot of fans be a little bit more critical of Baker Mayfield because of how the Browns underachieved last season. But you know how I mean I know especially when the Browns got Baker that was some that was one of the that was a rush man. That was a rush and a jolt of excitement and enthusiasm and optimism when it finally felt like man he's our guy. And he looks the part, and if he looks this good as a rookie, imagine what he's going to do in year two. Imagine what he'll do in year three. Man, imagine once he gets a couple years under his belt. Imagine just how good this is. And then reality hit last year. Last year hit, the honeymoon stage was over, the offseason was over, the, first, the rookie year was over, because then reality kicked in is, okay, you're not, you don't have that cute little rookie tag anymore. Now everything you do is held under the microscope of NFL quarterback, not rookie quarterback. You get to make mistakes as a rookie. You're not allowed to make mistakes in year two and three, not in today's NFL. So as far as I'm concerned, Bengals fans enjoy this, because this is the honeymoon stage. This is the fun part. This is the fun part where you're going to see Joe Burrow go out and have a really good game and everyone's going to go crazy and then you're going to see him have an average game and then you'll be a little concerned and just say, hey, it's a rookie game. You're in the honeymoon stage. Everything's fun right now. But next year is going to be the big, the high-pressure year, the same year that, that really folded the Browns or at least kind of was a reality check for them. That could be the same thing for the Bengals in 2021. But just how confident are you in the guy steering the ship right now? Zach Taylor, just how high are you on Zach Taylor's ability to lead this team? Because I'm telling you right now, I knew in year two for the, you know, I knew that in year two for the Browns with Freddie Kitchens leading the way, I knew it was going to be an absolute total disaster. Looking at the Cincinnati Bengals, Zach Taylor's just too likable of a person to have this 
strong, hot take on about whether you think he's a good head coach or not. I just don't know. And I don't think there's a person out there that can tell you that they know. I think it's easy to to kind of sit in the side of saying, oh, I think he's going to be all right. You're saying you think he's going to be all right because he's a nice guy and you like him. But if you didn't like him, you would say, hey, no, no, I don't think he's the guy. I, for me personally, I, I don't think that his personality is what the, this team needed. I think this team needed a little bit more of an authoritative type of figure to take over, uh, to create an identity for this team. You know, you want to go get these big, mean defensive pieces to give this identity of this, you know, big, mean, tough defense. Say what you want, but when Marvin was there, you know, that defense... It, it you know it felt like a Marvin Lewis team like Marvin Lewis was you know he had that intimidating look like he had control of the room at times early on especially and they kind of followed his lead Zach Taylor there's not a defense out there that I mean I, I don't know when I look at Zach Taylor I don't think of this intimidating defensive guy I don't think of this guy that's going to put together a, a, a this rough tough defense now they addressed their defensive needs this off season I don't know if Zach Taylor's the guy that I look at and say, hey, I'm confident in that guy's ability to lead this team. I don't get it. He's the luckiest head coach in, in, in recent history that I could think of. I cannot believe how many people let him off the hook and did not hold him accountable for 2-14. and 14. Not a lot of coaches survived that. Somehow he did. Somehow I heard Bengals fans just sit there and say, oh, it's not him. It's not him. It's always the coach. What do you mean it's not him? I'll never understand that. I'll never understand why Zach Taylor got a pass for the Bengals' struggles in 2020, or 2019, I mean. Because they weren't rebuilding. I don't care what anybody says. You went into last season with the expectations to win. You had Andy Dalton, who's a, you know, one of, you know, has been a Pro Bowl quarterback throughout his career. You know, you, I know you were without A.J. Green, but you still had Boyd. You still had Mixon. You still had Eifert. You had weapons. There was no excuse, none whatsoever, for why that team performed as poorly as they did, other than coaching. The defense, yes, that was bad, absolutely. But you still had pro bowlers on the defensive side of the ball that you should be able to win more than two games. To me, I am not a fan of Zach Taylor. I think he's a great human being. He's super nice. The media loves him. That's great. Zach Taylor's not the guy for me. And I don't get how he's the guy for you Bengals. There's there's nothing about his performance last year that any Bengals fan should feel confident in his ability to lead this team moving forward. Is he going to get another season to prove what he can do? Absolutely. And I think there's a ton of pressure on Zach Taylor because if Joe Burrow comes here and does not succeed, that is on him. If Joe Burrow does not come in and have a good rookie year, that's on Zach Taylor and nobody else. There is a ton of pressure on the Cincinnati Bengals to win and to win right away. And it's going to be up to Zach Taylor to make sure that they get off to that start. They can't win four or five games. If the Bengals win four or five games, that's not a successful year because they went out and they, I mean, this isn't, this is a playoff caliber defensive roster right now. It's a, it's a playoff caliber offensive roster right now. The pressure is on. It's not on Joe Burrow. It's on Zach Taylor. Uh, coming up in a bit, we'll talk with Aaron Torres. We'll step away for a few moments when we come back. Our next support local business, $1,000 a day giveaway keyword, our business of the hour. That's coming up. Don't go anywhere. Unlock the possibilities of your outdoor space with the new commercial-grade residential zero-turn from Cub Cadet. The Ultima Series ZTX delivers enhanced strength and durability, so you can comfortably cut at speeds up to 9 miles per hour and tackle challenges on every acre, not to mention a four-year warranty. So whether it's making unforgettable family memories or uncovering new possibilities, it's time to shape your property your way with Cub Cadet. Test drive the ultimate mowing experience today at East Lawn and Garden, 1632 East Route 36 in Urbana. For expert advice, superior service and exceptional offers.
Mike, Justin Kenner with you here. Get your phones out, get your laptop, get to your desktop, wherever it is that you can access wingam.com to enter your support local business. $1,000 a day cash contest giveaway. Again, every one of our keywords is a local business here in the Miami Valley. Uh, and again, it's time to give you that keyword for your chance to win $1,000. Your keyword for the hour is Milano's. Head to wingam.com and enter the keyword of Milano's. Support local business thousand dollar a day giveaway right here on uh, fourteen ten ESPN Radio. Excited to do that again. Uh, imagine if you win that thousand dollars. I mean that'd be pretty big right now. Uh, it's always big to win a thousand dollars anytime, but especially right now. Think of how many local businesses you can help support during that time. So Aaron Torres yesterday uh, put out a tweet regarding. Uh, Dayton Flyers Obi Toppin, um, and, and again talking about you know Dayton's Obi Toppin was just named the Wooden Award as College Basketball's National Player of the Year. It's the second highest honor he received this week. Of course, we know all the awards that were swept um, by uh, again talking about Obi Toppin. But Aaron Torres would go on to say that you know random NBA draft note. He's talked to three different college hoops coaches who in the last week have all independently told him. I don't see how you could not take anyone but Obi Toppin at number one. He's not saying it will happen, but he definitely thinks it will become a legit debate by the time we get to draft night. So that's what we're going to talk about next. Fox Sports Ohio's Aaron, or Fox Sports, I'm sorry, Fox Sports is Aaron Torres. He joins us next. Don't go anywhere. <laughs> Justin Kinner with you. Here's the Justin Kinner Show live on Dayton's ESPN radio station, 1410 Wing AM. A lot of NFL today. Uh, Cincy fan Jake on Twitter tweets in and says, it was, Marvin Lewis, it was Marvin Lewis's mess, and Zach got in there late, especially uh, with his hiring for staff. That's why he gets a pass. I knew he doesn't get a pass. He won two damn games last year. You don't get a pass. It's 2020. We don't allow, I mean, it's, in this day and age, we don't allow coaches uh, or quarterbacks or players to ease into anything. It's high expectations right away. And the only reason that Zach Taylor got a late start in getting his staff together anyways, that was also dumb on the Bengals' part. Don't hide, They knew that he was going to be you know, part of a playoff team. They had an ample opportunity to get more experienced head coaches that needed to coach a young team. You don't go hire a 12-year-old to coach a, a rebuilding team. You don't do it. Zach Taylor, in my opinion, does not get a pass, period. I totally disagree with you, Jake, and I'm sure you'll hate me now moving forward. Uh, but no, he does not get a pass. He said this year, if it's bad, he gets no pass. Well, yeah. Can't win two games last year and only win four this year and expect to be safe. But then again, that does sound a lot like what the Cincinnati Bengals would do. Actually, if they win four games this year, Mike Brown probably says, oh man, he doubled his win total from last year. We're going to give him a you know, 10-year extension. That's so Bengals. All right, uh, let's transition over here. Again, I, I found this interesting. I mean, for one, we talked a lot about Obi Toppin just sweeping every major, uh, you know, college basketball player of the year award out there. And the Wooden Award basically uh, kind of completed it all. And uh, Aaron Torres with Fox Sports, uh, good enough to join us now. And uh, Aaron, welcome in. How are you? You're really high on Obi Toppin, as I'm sure a lot of people are right now. Yeah, I mean, you know why? There's a reason I'm high on Obi Toppin. It's called I Actually Watch the Games. Um, and if you actually watch the games, uh, he was just, he was unbelievable. Listen, he was a guy, I'll be honest, listen, I cover college basketball, love it as a sport, and sure, do I remember him having moments last year? Yeah, but like, I can't sit here and say that, oh, you know, it's because I was calling this in November. No, like, you know, he blew up onto the scene in Maui. You know, we all know that he tested the draft waters and all that stuff, but 
you know, I thought he'd be a fine college player and whatever. Um, but what he did this season was incredible, elevating a program, uh, elevating his play, all that stuff. I had the opportunity to talk to him for the first time one-on-one for my podcast last week in the lead-up to the Wooden Award announcement. So I'm impressed with him as a person, and I don't know how you can watch Dayton basketball this year and not be impressed with him as a player as well. Yeah, and of course, right away, I know it really came down between Obi and Luca Garza out of Iowa, and right away you get a lot of Iowa fans, which, by the way, I found out Iowa had fans. I thought that was interesting. Uh, <laughs> a lot of Iowa fans started chirping right away. Oh, who does he play? He plays in the A-10. Of course, it's easy to put up those numbers. Garza was going against, uh, you know, the Big Ten talent, the NBA talent every single night. Garza's a beast. He deserves all the, you know, recognition that he got. But Obi Toppin, Aaron, and I say this all the time, he's just one of those guys that I don't need to see him play somebody to know that he is somebody all you have to do is what you just said watch the damn games and you'll you'll it'll do all the talking he'll do all the talking for you yeah, and it's, you know, because I covered on a national scale, of course, you know, I, I experienced that exact same thing, Justin, of, you know, every time that I would say something nice about Obi Toppin, well, yeah, but if he played, uh, you know, Duke's schedule or if he played Kentucky's <laughs> schedule, and it's like, come on now, like, you know, I, I don't understand, you know, if, if you want to say, I don't think Dayton would be 29-2 and two or whatever they finished uh, if they played in the ACC or the Big Ten or the SEC, okay, fine, like, I'm not going to argue that, I don't think Anthony Grant would argue that. Um, but if you're going to turn on those games, watch Obi Toppin and say, oh, he'd be just another guy in our league or this would be just another team. No, stop it. Dayton, listen, they, they obliterated just about everybody that they played this year. They played Kansas down to the wire in a game where they actually, frankly, outplayed them for about 36, 37 minutes and ran out of gas, lost in overtime. Um, Listen, this was a team that I, I believe could have competed for a conference championship in any conference that they played in. Would they have been 29-2? and Of course not. But would they have had a similar record to Louisville in the ACC? I believe so. Similar to, um, you know... Um Auburn in the SEC, I believe so. And, you know, it is this narrative that we have in college sports that you don't play anybody or this or that or the other thing. But, you know, I, to somebody... You know, yesterday that was t- chirping because I think Obi Toppin, I think, will be in contention for the number one overall pick in the draft. They were saying, wow, what a weak draft it is. All I'll say is they would have said the same thing about John Moran until the day before the tournament last year. It's a bummer Obi Toppin didn't get that stage, but he'll have plenty of time over the course of his career to show everybody just how good he is. Now, you mentioned the NBA draft. I saw your tweet from yesterday that a couple high-profile college basketball coaches that you spoke with said that there's no doubt that, I mean, he should be in the conversation for that number one overall pick, and by the time you get to draft night, that definitely will be uh, a narrative. With that being said, I mean, when you, I know what you think about Obi Toppin in college. You're high on him in the NBA draft, but what is his game in the NBA? What's the player comparison that you can, can give him? Uh, I hear a lot of Amari Stoudemire. I said Sean Marion more from the Suns playing with Steve Nash during those years. What, what say you? Yeah, no, that that all feels about right. Um, he's a versatile player, and I think even more so now than when Sean Marion played, the game is perfectly tailored to what he does. I mean, he's six eight, six nine, whatever he is. He can shoot the three ball. He can de- defend on the perimeter. He has you know moves in the post, all that stuff. And so I think even more so now than six, seven, eight years ago, his game translates. And so when you talk about the NBA draft, and you know well, what what I've been kind of talking to coaches about, and this is something that I believe is you know I think this narrative that was maybe really prevalent six, seven, eight years ago, four years ago, three years ago that you have to take the freshman because oh there's so much more upside to that 
I, I think that's been debunked the last couple of years. You know, I was talking to a coach yesterday. Listen, the last three American-born NBA MVPs are Steph Curry, Russell Westbrook, and James Harden. All of those guys played multiple years of college basketball. I'm not saying Obi Toppin will ever be an MVP in the NBA, but there was someone on draft night saying that, oh, this Steph Curry kid, yeah, he averaged whatever Dayton, but he's 21 years old, and we got to take the 19-year-old kid. And, like, well, I don't know who that 19-year-old kid was. I can't remember off the top of my head who was the number one pick in that draft, but I'm telling you right now, I'm guessing they'd rather have Steph Curry. Curry. Um, and so when I look at Obi Toppin, I just say, look, you know, if you want to argue he's 22 years old, okay. But let's also not forget, as he told me on, on my podcast, um, he was an 18 year old kid that was a six foot four point guard his senior year of high school. So to say that his developmental curve is so much farther ahead of, say, somebody like Anthony Edwards or James Wiseman is ridiculous because I think that um, Obi Toppin is still learning how to play at his size with his you know, kind of the tools in the toolbox. And I just don't understand this concept that at 22 years old, you can't get better uh, as opposed to an 18, 19 year old kid. So listen, I'm not going to sit here and say that I believe definitively he will be the number one pick. I believe he should be. I believe that I would take him, but I also don't believe the narratives that have held back older players in the past should be held against him right now, based on all the information that we've gathered over the last couple of years. Fox Sports Radio's Aaron Torres with us here on the Justin Kinner Show. Uh, again, just talking about Obi Toppin wrapping up. I mean, and by the way, I can't think of, has there ever been a player, and I should know this, but has there ever been a player that has swept all those awards before? I'm sure there has, but I can't think of one off the top of my head. Yeah, I, you know, I, I mean, shoot, maybe even Zion Williamson last year. I don't know, but um, listen, it, it doesn't discredit what he did um, or, or you know, whatever. He was the best player in college basketball um, in a year where even the good players had stretches or, frankly, some of the players that we think are going to be really good NBA draft picks really struggled. Um, I don't know off the top of my head, Justin, to be perfectly honest, but I only say that to say um, – he earned every one of those. He was the best player in college basketball. Like I said, the only bummer about all this is that he didn't get that national stage where I have no doubt that over the course of however many games Dayton played, and I believe they could have played deep into the tournament, um, I'm just bummed that he didn't get that national stage like John Morant did last year to really silence a lot of the doubters. Aaron, it's so crazy, man. Everything going on in our world today, like nothing should surprise anybody at this point, but do you ever think you would be alive during a time where there would not be an NCAA tournament? I mean, just, I mean, nothing in the world right now makes any sense, but I still can't get over the fact that we're in April and we did not have an NCAA tournament this year. It's, it's devastating for a lot of people on many levels. It's so surreal, and it's funny because I was talking to a coach this morning um, who, who coaches – at a Power 5 school, but it's a school like Dayton in the sense that they are not a perennial title contender. It wasn't Duke, it wasn't Kansas, it wasn't North Carolina, Kentucky, whatever. It was a school that really had a chance to do something that the school had never done before this year. And so, you know, listen, we, you know, Justin, we work in sports, and our job is to talk about sports. And yes, are there deaths going on, and is it a bummer, and do we wish everybody lived, and there was no illness, of course. But in the sports context, it is so disappointing because this year in college basketball there were so 
so many schools, so many teams, so many fan bases that I think really felt like, you know, we have a chance to do something that we've never done before. I live in L.A., um, and I go on in San Diego all the time, and that fan base really thought for the first time ever they had a chance to get beyond the Sweet 16, maybe to go to a Final Four. Seton Hall felt that way. Florida State has never been to a Final Four in school history. Baylor has never been to a Final Four in school history. So there are so many programs like Dayton, and I think Dayton was maybe the the one more than any other that, you know, they just, you know, they had a chance to do something special. And so I know in the tournament, historically, we love to see Duke versus Kentucky or Kansas versus Michigan State or whatever for the championship. But I truly believe this was a year where we would have gotten a school that maybe will never get this chance again. And all I'll say to a Dayton fan listening, it's not just you guys. There's people in San Diego State that feel the same way at Seton Hall, at Baylor, at Florida State, places like that. Aaron, I found out, and Brandon back in our studio, thank you, man, for sending this in. So Zion did accomplish that last year where he swept the awards. Uh, and then the last player before that, Evan Turner, Ohio State. How about that? That's pretty, wow. I, didn't, I didn't realize that about Evan Turner, to be honest with you. No, I didn't either. I was, you know, when you first referenced it, I thought maybe Tyler Hansborough, and then of course, obviously Zion popped into my head. But no, man, it, it shows how dominant you know Obi Toppin was this year, and so um, it's just one of those deals, man. I'll say this: I, I think it'll be whenever this draft process picks up, and, and who knows? And I, I still talk to people all the time, as I'm sure you do. Um, I, I don't think anybody has a real answer as to what the draft process will look like, when it will, will look the way that we expect it to. Um, but I'm fascinated. I'm fascinated in the lead-up to that draft, whenever it is, what the conversation is. Because uh, not only was Obi Toppin awesome, but the freshmen this year were not the way that they usually are in terms of taking over games, changing programs, like a Zion Williamson, like an R.J. Barrett, like a Lonzo Ball, like a Trey Young. So, you know, I, I just think the conversation is going to be fascinating. And, I, and I'll tell you this, too. I also think that, you know, whether it's night one, night two, night three of the NBA next year, Obi Toppin is going to do something really awesome. And people are going to be like, holy crap, I had no idea this guy was so good. Uh, but for the people like you and I that watch the games, man, I, I think we know what he is capable of. And I'm excited to see him at the next level. Absolutely, and uh, that's why I reached out to you too. I just saw the, you know, I, I listened to the podcast, the interview, and everything, and just wanted to get you on just to talk about your thoughts on him, uh, real quick. Before we send you out, we'll transition to football real quick. Uh, as far as college football goes, you know, we're talking about all the uncertainties in basketball. You know, we're talking about the NFL draft coming up, but college football. I know everyone's freaking out, saying, "Oh my gosh, enough!" I mean, that's August. Why are we talking? We're talking about it because there, if. If the NCAA tournament can be canned, anything can be canned at this point. And uh, all the talk about the college football season and how we're approaching it, that's something I'm keeping an eye on. That will be the most devastating thing to me. Of all the sports out there to be impacted, that one will, that one will crush me the most, to be honest with you. Something is, is not right with that. Yeah, and, and Justin, what's so interesting about college football, it's so different than the NFL or the NBA or professional sports in that, you know, every campus kind of has its own set of guidelines. Every state has its own set of guidelines. You know, who can come, who can go, all that kind of stuff. And so, you know, what I said on my podcast the other day was, it was actually the one where Obi was on with me, was, you know, I do a little segment before where I kind of talk about whatever the topics of the day are. And, you know, I think that really you know, realistically to have football September one without any disruption in the schedule, things have to be pretty back to normal by June first. And that sounds crazy, right? How can it be June first? That's crazy. Uh, well, you know, you gotta remember that training camp opens August one. 
and that at these major programs, the Ohio States, the Michigans, the Tennessees, the Georgias, the whatever, you know, these guys are going straight from spring ball, they're home for a few weeks, and then they're right into off-season training. And so I heard Urban Meyer say the other day with my buddy Colin Cowherd that, you know, it really takes about six, eight weeks to ramp up from off-season training just to fall camp, just to get started for week one and be ready to go and, and feel that your players are physically uh, ready for what is to come. And so, you know, can that deadline be pushed back? Can it be June 15th? Can it be June 21st? Yeah, of course. But I think you start talking about guys can't be if, 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 this is, I'm saying if, if guys can't be back on campus by the middle to the end of June, if they can't be with that strength and conditioning staff, I think there are real questions to be had. And so for people that are saying, oh, college football is six months away, five months away, it's like it's really about six, eight weeks away uh, for us to get back to schedule on norm, you know, on a normal schedule. I don't know if it'll happen. So much is changing by the day, by the moment. It seems like there was positive uh, direction with, with golf this week and with the UFC wanting to go on. So I hope that things are trending in the right direction. It feels like they are. But don't think that we got to be ready by mid-August to get football kicked off on September 1st. It's going to be a lot earlier than that. Last thing, and I'll let you go. I'd be honored to appreciate your time and hanging out for a little yep. bit today. What are you thinking about? I mean, you've read, I'm sure you've read the articles about some of the ways that they're trying to squeeze the season in if it doesn't start on time. I mean, we're talking about potential playoffs in May. I mean, starting kicking off the season in January or February. I mean, a lot of crazy things out there, but, uh, you know, you can't really throw any scenario off the table right now because it's important that these programs get the season in just because of the financial implications that play out. Well, 100%, and I think what's so unique about college football, too, is there's some pretty powerful, you know, you know, not powerful, but pretty big power brokers in the sport that have essentially said, we're not going to play games without fans in the stands because at the end of the day, if there's no fans in the stands, it probably means there's not students on campus. And if there's not students on campus, you can't have a football team on campus. And so um, I'm with you. I don't know what it's going to look like. I've heard all sorts of things, even the possibility of kind of a uh, condensed schedule where we eliminate some for the major power five programs, uh, maybe an out-of-conference game or two, maybe start late September. I mean, I think, you know, right now and all the all the powers that be in the professional sports have kind of said this publicly, Adam Silver, that just about everything is on the table. I think in college athletics it's very much the same, but like I said, it's just so fascinating because it isn't one uniform thing. Ohio State runs completely independent of Alabama, from Clemson, from USC, in terms of when they're going to feel comfortable reopening campus, when in that state you can even get a group of 50 people together for a practice. I mean, it is, you know, in a lot of ways, it's so funny because, you know, people always ask me, well, you know, now that there's no sports, what are you talking about? And it's like, honestly, I think just the conversation about when sports can come back is really interesting, and every sport's facing different hurdles, but I think college football is facing some very unique hurdles, not trying to be a Debbie Downer, not saying it can't be back by September 1st. They're just facing some hurdles that no other sports are, not even the NFL. All right. Well, good stuff. Aaron Torres, good enough to join us and hang out today on the Justin Kinner Show, uh, the Aaron Torres Podcast. Tell everyone where they can find you, uh, for, find your podcast, find you on Twitter. I mean, I love the podcast. I tuned in the other day for the Obi-Wan. I'm hooked moving forward. Thanks so much for hanging out. But tell everyone about where they can access your content, man. 
Sure, man. Yeah, no, uh, Twitter is uh, Aaron underscore Torres, A-A-R-O-N underscore T-O-R-R-E-S. I got the OB Toppin interview pinned right at the top and a couple other NBA draft guys coming up here. And, uh, yeah, man, kind of just talk about whatever's going on in college sports. Uh, I worked at FoxSports.com for a number of years covering both and, and do a ton with college basketball, college football. So if that's your scene, and I'm guessing anybody listening uh, that's stuck through this interview, it probably is. At the very least, go listen to the OB Toppin stuff and I think if you enjoy that, you'll enjoy kind of what I do. So, All right. Well, I really enjoyed hanging out with you, and I know our listeners did too. Take care, Aaron. Much appreciated. Thank you. All right. Talk soon, Justin. Thanks, man. All right, good stuff there. If you just uh, tuned into that, Aaron Torres, uh, Fox Sports Radio, Aaron Torres Podcast, make sure you subscribe and uh, download that in your Apple iTunes store as well because uh, that's a heck of a podcast. He had Obi Toppin on recently. Really good stuff there. Uh, we opened up the interview. If you're, again, just tuning in, He's, I mean, Obi Toppin, he, he believes will be in the conversation to be the number one overall draft pick in the NBA when it's all said and done. It doesn't mean that uh, he's a lock, uh, but his name, I mean, look, when you sweep those types of awards and he is on the, he's the, on the tip of the tongue of every analyst out there, whether it be college basketball, NBA, what have you, he's going to be an exciting player in the NBA. And I'm telling you, I'll be really surprised if we are not watching him in the dunk contest next year, to be honest with you. I mean, like, that's where that sense of pride is going to come in for this area when you are watching the NBA dunk contest, and there you see uh, Obi Toppin, man. And regardless, just seeing him play on a night-to-night basis is going to be pretty cool. But that interview will be up um, on the website. Uh, here any moment now and I uh, appreciate those tuned into that appreciate his time but, but good stuff there but no he makes a lot of good points about college football and where we're at as far as that is concerned because look I want to be as optimistic and excited about the season as much as anyone I mean we're coming off one of the best college football seasons in quite some time that I can remember and really all of that has to do with the college football playoff the playoff has taken what was already one of the most if not the most popular sport out there and just made it untouchable um, the NFL uh, obviously uh, a close second, but uh, nothing trumps college football, man. It is literally, and maybe I'm saying that as a person that lives in, in Buckeye country, and it's easy for us to say that, but I honestly believe that there is nothing, there, there no sport even comes close to surpassing college football. I mean, it is legitimately, when we get to that season, it, it's insane just how intense and how crazy people get in those conversations. I mean, it is, I'm looking forward to it. I want to, I hope that there is a season. Uh, but man, I'm telling you, like, co- the college football playoff, I know people like to focus on the flaws and the issues with everything, but nothing, the playoffs have honestly made that sport untouchable. People wanted to go to eight. People want to talk about all these crazy, well, what if you do all conference champions and then there's a coin flip to see who gets the fifth one? Stop it with that. We don't need that. We it, The four is fine. Yeah, I mean, it's the only, and I've said this before, by the way, it's the only playoff that, that features actually the, the best team. So, uh, I mean, it is what it is. If this dog does not get off me, stop. You're about to break this damn thing. Anyways, all right. See, things are getting out of control here. Four, five, seven. Nine four six four. Uh, we have a few more minutes left. How about this, Shay Neal with Wing Reds Live? That's coming up next. Uh, again, an hour of Red Stock coming your way. Shay also take your calls there. Uh, so make sure you hang out with him immediately following the show. Uh, the James Rapine interview that'll be available at WingAM.com as well in the Apple in your Apple iTunes Store, Google Play Store. Subscribe and download to the Justin Kinner Show podcast. There you'll have all of access to all of that as well as the Aaron Torres interview as well. Okay, uh, last thing before we go, make sure that you have registered for the Justin Kinner Show fan segment. Uh, This Monday, I will be pulling our first winner. Again, the Justin Kinner Show fan segment is a chance for you to be a sports radio host for a day. Uh, You'll get to host a 20-minute segment alongside me here on the show, but 
it'll be me co-hosting with you because you'll be in the driver's seat. You'll be you'll get to pick the topic. You'll lead the segment. Um, I'm just kind of along for the ride, and it's going to be a lot of fun to give you an opportunity to host. Your name will be in all promos for that week, on-air promos, so your friends and family that listen to the station will hear your name throughout the day. How cool is that? Plus, all of our online content will have your picture on all the promos promoting your appearance on the show, so make sure you take advantage of this. Go to wingam.com and register for the Justin Kinner Show fan segment and jump in on the fun uh, and it's your chance to be a sports radio host for the day. I think it's pretty cool. I think it's going to be a lot of fun, uh, especially for a lot of you out there. I know a lot of you people are working from home. Uh, you know, you're spending a lot more time at home, and this is a cool opportunity uh, that you know you'll be able to be a part of the station, be a part of the show, uh, and be able to have those keepsakes again. You'll get to keep all the promos and everything like that to share on your social media pages. So I think it's pretty cool, and I, based on the reaction online and our web numbers on that, I mean through the roof. So a lot of people are excited about that. So again, get to wingam.com and register for that it's the justin kenner show fan segment there you go again i'll be putting out a, a link uh, for you to be able to register here on twitter coming up here in just a moment wing reds live with shade neal coming up next don't go anywhere until tomorrow this has been the justin kenner show on 1410 espn radio brandon thank you again for all your help back in the studio shade neal up next